Before we get started, I have an important message. If you're on Medicare or about to be, you don't want to go it alone. And you don't want to just call the first guy who sends you a postcard. My husband did that, and he wound up with some bad advice that costs us a penalty each month that will never go away. So what can you do? Contact one of our member experts by going to certifiedmedicareagents.com and searching your state for an agent. You'll be able to look through our member agents and read about them. Then you can reach out to the agent or broker you select directly through the site. Now, one thing you should know is other sites who do this sell your information to 15 or more agents so you can get hundreds of unwanted phone calls. Not so with CertifiedMedicareAgents.com. You'll only be contacted by one agent, and if there is a problem, I may personally reach out to you, but generally you will only hear from the one agent you select. So head on over there right now before you forget and find a qualified and certified agent that can help you today. Now, let's start our program. Today we're going to meet Bobby Erdrich, and Bobby rocks her retirement by acting. She has a blast and has been doing it since she was four years old. Funny thing about Bobby is that she doesn't own a computer and she doesn't own a smartphone. So in order to listen to this podcast herself, she's either going to have to go to a senior center or she's going to have to listen to it on one of her children's smartphones. Talking with people about how to have a great retirement. This is the Rock Your Retirement Show. We don't talk about money, but we talk about almost everything else you need to rock your retirement. Now, here's your host, Kathy Klein. Welcome to Rock Your Retirement. This is Kathy, and today I'm sitting down with Bobby Erdrick. And she was born in New York in 1925, and you would not know that by looking at her. She's been acting since she was four years old. She's a director, a writer, and a producer. She's also a widow, and she still does a one-woman show. She raised sheep in Oregon. We'll ask her more about that. And she bucked hay, she birthed babies, and she shoveled something I can't say on the air. So (laughs) welcome to the show, Bobby. Thank you, and I'm glad to be here. (laughs) So tell me about this acting that you do. Have you been a professional actress your whole life? I have been what I like to call a big fish in a very little pond. (laughs) (laughs) I was discovered on a subway train and was told by my grandfather that there was no acting in our family. But I had a mother and two sisters who decided that this was the thing, and they took me all around to different places. And my very first performance, I said a little poem. Would you like to hear it? I'd love to hear it. I am a little girl, just four years old. My mommy makes me petticoats all trimmed with gold. (laughs) With a penny in my pocket and a dolly in my arms, ain't I cute? (laughs) That's the the poem that's so cute. So you were discovered when you were four. Mm -hmm. Yes. So kind of like Shirley Temple. Yes, only much younger. Well, and I didn't have the, the ability that Shirley Temple had. Well, you're course. much younger than she. 
Mm-hmm. A little <laughs> bit. <laughs> Just a little bit. Yes. So, and I think she's passed away. Hasn't yes, she? she has. So you were you were discovered in a subway when you were four years old. Did you do any other kind of work besides acting? Uh, off and on. My husband was a hunter and a fisher. He loved to go away at least twice a year, which I thought was wonderful. When he went away, I went and got a job. <laughs> a two, a <laughs> Whether two I knew job. what I was doing or not, I always got the job. After two weeks, I'd come home, perhaps for lunch or in the evening. If he was home, I quit my job. <laughs> <laughs> Did these people who you got the jobs with knew that you were only going to work for a few weeks? Or <laughs> I never told. I did. I was a nurse for a while. Oh, you were? Yes. During World War II, I did nursing. Any stories about that? Yes, but I don't think I ought to tell them. <laughs> okay. We will be quiet about that. <laughs> I'd love to talk about what we did on our farm. Well, tell me about your farm. Well, my husband was a Los Angeles fireman, and we decided that after 20 years and 20 minutes, the 20 minutes are just to assigning the papers, we would retire, and we found some property in Grants Pass, Oregon. Just a great big empty field with what we had been told had a pond on it. And there was one giant oak tree. And every time we had off, we would go up to this property from Los Angeles and work on it. And uh, we decided we would raise sheep. Now, both my husband and I were big city people. We had no <laughs> idea what we were doing. What was that show about the the woman who Oh, went... I remember that with Eddie on um, Eddie something or other and, and Ava Gabor. Yes. Right. Was that you? <laughs> No. <laughs> no. No, I mean, in real life. Was that you in real life? Uh, it could have been. It could have been. But yes, I went to school to study about cattle, animal husbandry. We promptly decided to raise sheep. Which is so much like cattle. Right. <laughs> we bought three sheep to begin with. One of them we called Sweet Mama, and she had three babies, which is very unusual for, for sheep. Don't they just have one at a time? At a, don't they usually have one? Two. Oh, two is two. good management. Two oh. is good management. And uh, so every other year she threw three babies. Wow. And they adopted us. She always threw out the one that was most capable. She kept the two that needed the most help and threw out the biggest one because I guess she figured it could go on its own. Oh. And that one would invariably adopt us. And then you would be the new mom. And we would, no, not me so much as my husband. He was the one who got up at two o'clock in the morning with the bottles. Okay. <laughs> so, but we, we sold our wool. We sold our lambs to the 4-H kids and uh, we sold the meat, kept some for ourselves, of course. It was a delightful, lovely way to live. Wow. And, and I learned a lot about it. And as I said, I learned to buck hay. I learned to birth babies. And I and did a little shoveling in between. <laughs> <laughs> we want to keep this show a clean rating so we won't say what she shoveled. But you can use your imagination. Yeah. I learned to wear sweatshirts inside, outside, and backwards and frontwards. <laughs> <laughs> How fun. So you did this right after retirement. Immediately after retirement, mm -hmm. there was no break in between. It went from fireman, your husband being a fireman, to being a farmer. No, we had purchased the property a few years before his retirement, and so we had been 
prompting ourselves and prepping ourselves for this. The first thing we did was build a shed. And over the years, until his retirement, we would bring things up, put in the shed. The next thing, when we moved up there, and we bought a, an old trailer that we lived in, and we built the barn. And then we built the house. And we did it, the two of us, my husband, myself, and a neighbor from down the road apiece. Oh, that was nice and of your neighbor. And the three of us built it, and oh, it was wonderful. Wow. So you actually had preparation. It wasn't all of a sudden you mentally prepared yourself to do this in retirement. Mentally, I guess we did. We just knew that this is what we wanted to do, get away from the city, just farm. Okay, and you did it for 20 years. So what happened after 20 years? After, well, my husband was having some uh, back problems, and we decided it was time to sell the farm. Mm -hmm. From there we moved, let's see, from Oregon we moved up to uh, British Columbia. And then from British Columbia we moved to Washington. State. Washington State. Where in Washington State? Just outside of Olympia, the okay. capital. Okay. In a little town called Lacey. Uh, unfortunately, three months after we moved there, my husband passed away. Oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, it was it was sorrowful, but um, I did it, and for nine years I lived up there until I decided to move down to California again. So how did you get over the grief of your husband? It was a sudden passing? Yes, extremely sudden. I always accepted the fact that somebody sooner or later is going to die. I have a lot of wonderful memories. I do not sit and grieve. I was busy getting ready to do a play, the uh, female version of The Odd Couple. Okay. So I kept busy. I've always believed in a lot of laughter, and uh, that's it. So your way of dealing with it was to keep busy? To keep busy, uh, to not... Uh, people dwell on a lot of things. I have a lot of wonderful memories, and so I keep those memories alive. The I wonderful think, ones. I think we have a marvelous computer inside our heads, and all we have to do is turn it on, and the pictures are there. And and so I never, I never said, oh, why did this happen to me? Why am I left alone? I always said, hey, I knew it was going to happen, and I always remember what my husband said. I have to go first, honey, because I'll become one of the three C's. And I said, what are the three C's? Cranky, cantankerous, and curmudgeonly. <laughs> he sounds like he had a good sense of humor. He was wonderful. He was wonderful. <laughs> he was funny. He was a Renaissance man. There wasn't anything he couldn't do. He could build furniture. He built houses. He had a green thumb for gardening. He was marvelous. So, wow. Painted pictures, won prizes at the fair. Well, it's wonderful that you have the good memories and that you're not dwelling on the, the sadness. I think this should happen to a lot of people, truly. Truly. I wish they, they could all do that instead of sitting and grieving so much. Yeah, we all, we all deal with our pain differently, you know, but I, I do understand what you're saying. And I have four marvelous kids, you know. So he left you a legacy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Do your children live in the area, or are they all? I have my eldest son lives in Carlsbad. Uh, my youngest son and my eldest daughter both live in Nevada, and my baby, who is going to be moving to Fallbrook, now lives up in uh, British Columbia. Okay, so they're they're all going to be fairly close. 
close enough to get to see them if you need to. Yes, but you know, I loved living in Washington because none of them lived around me. Yes, and where you lived, it was pretty rainy, right? Isn't it pretty rainy in Olympia area? No, people think it rains all the time. It doesn't. But it's green. It rains uh, when it's supposed to rain, and the sun shines when it's supposed to shine, and it's just lovely. It really is. Washington is a very beautiful state. My mother lives in Spokane. Uh Aha. But But, see, that's on the other side. It's on the... I live over on on the the west side. Yes, it's on the desert side of of Washington. Right. So over by... um, I'm not very good with, with geography. Idaho. We used to go to Idaho when I was 19 because the drinking age in Idaho was 19 and it was 21 in Washington State. And so, because <laughs> I think it's 21 everywhere now, but back, that tells you how old I am. Back when I was living in Washington, the drinking age in Idaho was 19. So we would go to Coeur d'Alene <laughs> and have fun over there. <laughs> when did you decide to move back to California? Well, let's see. This was, I've been here exactly, it'll be one year, June 1st. And my daughter called me one day. I had a lovely house in a lovely area, 55 plus active. My daughter called me and said, Mom, we're thinking of moving back to California. We're going to build up in Fallbrook. How do you think you'd feel if uh, you sold the house, you know, and moved back down? And I said, I'm ready. Oh, you did, even though it was fun. And in a month, I was ready, and we moved. Wow, that was fast. Well, I like to do things fast. (laughs) It sounds like it. (laughs) So you moved now. Did you move in with your your daughter or? No, no. I don't want to move close to any of them. No, right. I live over in uh, Woodland Village. Okay, so you you didn't move to Fallbrook. You just moved to San Diego right. area. Yeah, within an, within an area, you know. Yeah. I don't want anybody any closer than 15 miles. <laughs> <laughs> Fallbrook's a little bit of a schlep. I have friends that live in Fallbrook, and it is... It's very nice there. Yeah. And it's on the way to Pala. Oh, and, and do you like to go to Pala? Oh, yes, I love to play the slots. <laughs> okay, so we know that about you as well. Do you have friends that go there with you, or do you take? Is there a bus that goes? Or Woodland Village is wonderful. It's the most wonderful place to live. They have a bus and they have um, an SUV, I guess you'd call it, and they take people shopping. And the manager is absolutely marvelous, and she plans all these great trips. And I also have a friend who has a car. That's the one thing I was suffering from when I moved down here, car withdrawal. Yes. So I I thought, well, I'm moving back down south, and there's going to be a bus, and there's going to be all sorts of trips. I don't need the car. But, oh, my. (laughs) San Diego's not meant for people without cars. Right. We are definitely a car society because Mm. it's all spread out. Right. But then I thought, you know, I have to register the car. Gas is more expensive down here. Much more. Licensing is more expensive. All of that. And I can use the extra money to go to play at the casino. Right, to go to the (laughs) casino. So tell me about Woodland. Did you say Woodland Village? Yeah, Woodland Village. So is that a... um, It's a 55-plus complex of apartments. It's an apartment. Yeah, there are 216 apartments. And they're, you're, it's an individual living. We have, um, you know, our own bedrooms, bathrooms, kitchens. A lot of the people don't do any of the stuff that they could. And then 
there's me. I bake, you I do cook, everything. I clean, I do all my own thing. So it's not a senior living community where they provide dinner. Oh, no, no, no. It's no. an apartment. This is an, indi- this is an apartment. That's you know, wonderful. It well, is. It's good. great. And, of course, as I said, our manager is just wonderful. Can I, can I say her name? Feel free to give Kyle her- Wilson. I think she's wonderful. Well, she plans a lot of things. If you want to go, you can go. If you don't want to go, you don't go. It's like being on a cruise ship. If you want to get involved with all the activities on board the ship, you do. If you don't, you go to your own cabin or you go to one of the the library or wherever you feel like going. That sounds wonderful. Mm-hmm. It really does. So let's see here. You are an actress. Yes. So what kind of acting do you like to do? I prefer comedy, which is harder than anything else. But I have done all kinds. And I also do a lot of writing of my own. What kind of writing? Are you writing plays? Are you writing books? uh, I have written one play called Station KRUD, which we have performed, I've performed many, many times. I have produced and directed many shows. The kind of writing I do, sometimes for children, I've written Pinkle and Pinkle's uh, Rainbow Trip. Now, what was that about? It's about two little elves who are rather mischievous. And so the queen of the fairies, who is going to have a big party bash, doesn't want them around. Uh-oh. So she sends them out to look for the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. And it's about their adventures in finding the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. <laughs> is that a book or a play? It's just a short story that short I story. I used to mentor. When I was up in Washington, I mentored uh, third graders. Oh, you did? Yes. The first thing I did was walk into a classroom and say, I don't know why I'm here because I can't stand kids. Ah! And they immediately started to laugh and they were my bosom buddies. The kids laughed. The kids laughed. That is they love me. Funny. I that is funny. And so I would tell them stories, and one of them was Hinkle and Pinkle. Oh, I love so, that. And, and then I, I said, I'm getting ready to do a show. I do a show as Madam She's Off Key. Madam She's Off Key. Madam She's a off key. She's uh off key. Off key. Yes. And Madam where do you do this show? Wherever anybody asks me. <laughs> I'm a total ham. Uh, I did it for the uh, Woodland Village people, and they liked it, and so they asked me to come back again, and I'm doing another one on the 31st of May, and everybody's invited. We'll try to get this out before the 31st of May. Oh, that would be wonderful. <laughs> yes. We, for my listeners, I record all of my podcasts because of the type of work that I do. There's a three-month time period when I cannot do any interviews. So I try to get all of my interviews done and ready to post before that three-month time period. So we'll try to get your interview posted before May thir- May 31st. May 31st. That would be wonderful. One o'clock in Woodland Village. In Woodland Village. San Marcos. And that's in San Marcos, California. So if you're listening in Australia, sorry, you probably won't be able to attend. Oh, how sad. <laughs> but you could. If you, if you wanted to buy plane tickets and come down, I do have listeners all over the world, but about 65 to 70 percent of my listeners right now are in the San Diego area. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to hearing more about your show. So have you ever traveled? Do you like to travel or do you like to pretty much stay here? I love it. I love it. Um, I've never been to Europe, the continent, but I've been to England twice. Um, I've been to Honduras, 
You know, I have a son who was with the embassy, the United States embassy. When he was stationed in Paris, did I go visit him? No. <laughs> when he was stationed in Berlin, did I visit him? No. When he went to Australia, did I go visit him in Canberra? No. <laughs> Where did I go visit him? The pits of the world. Where was that? Honduras. <laughs> <laughs> but I had a wonderful time. <laughs> I bet you did. It sounds like, though, that you have a wonderful time just staying here. I do. And doing different acting. And do you still volunteer for the third graders? Or I did write a letter. See, unfortunately, I do not have a computer. And today, everything is done by computer, even teaching in the schools. And so while I was hoping to get involved in, uh, in schoolwork again, uh, I haven't received any answers, and so I've given up a little bit on that. And I do like to volunteer. I've, I've worked with the Salvation Army, and I've worked with, I was the oldest, the oldest um, volunteer in Vista. Remember Vista? Okay. And I've done work with the uh, Boy Scouts and the Girl Scouts, so I've been around a little while. And we were talking before the interview started, and I we were talking about the fact that you don't have a, a computer or a smartphone. Right. And so you actually won't be able to listen to this interview at home. I'm going to have to call and or write you a letter and give you the link so that you can listen to it at the, at the Senior Center. Well, that would be wonderful. Thank you. So you're going to be able to listen to this, but it'll have to be at the Senior Center or maybe at one of your children's homes or something because you don't have a computer. But that goes to show that you don't have to have a computer to get out there and to have a good life and to have fun. I don't like the cell phone. Uh, well, I should have one. But I don't want to have people calling me at all hours of the day. <laughs> if my kids want to call me, or if anybody wants to call me, they can call me any time in the morning and any time in the evening. I don't need to talk to them during the day. They don't need... <laughs> and and I'm, I'm not one of these mothers who has to talk to their children every single day. Sometimes a couple of weeks will go by and... It's fine. We talk. We say hi. How are things? Uh, we compare notes, and that's it. Because you have your own life. You're not sitting around waiting for your children to call. Yes. Sounds like you have a rich, full life. Yes. Yes. And so what are some of the things? Because I've seen you here at the Senior Center before. I think that's where we met. No. Where did we, we meet? We met at a program that was being given for the deaf I think, for hearing aids. Oh, that's where we met. That's right. We met at the Hearing Experiences. Right. That's it. They had a program that they put on, and that's where we met. So, yes, you're right. That is where we met. Although, for a while, I couldn't remember. <laughs> <laughs> well, me not. I couldn't remember either. I thought we met here. So, um, so that is right. So that, And that goes to show you can meet people wherever you go. Wherever. Absolutely. And I think you were there with a good-looking man. Oh, wait till I tell him you said that. He, <laughs> he loves to hear that. So tell me, is this your love interest or just a friend? David, or do you not want to talk about it? <laughs> oh, I have no objection. David is very much my love interest. Yes. Okay. 
He is a charming gentleman, and uh, we do a lot of things together. And how did you meet? You know, we're still trying to figure that out. I'm the kind of person who, when I see people who are sitting around and looking rather bored, I just walk up and say hi. And when I walked into the lobby of the Woodland Village that first day, I saw these gentlemen sitting around, and I walked up and I said, Hi, my name is Bobby, and I've just moved in. And the next thing I know, which was just maybe two weeks later, he was part of the family. <laughs> so My he, kids adore him. So he lives in your community. Yes, he lives upstairs for me. Oh, okay. Which could be bad or good, depending on if you're... It's very good the way it is. <laughs> just... <laughs> I was just thinking if you break up, hmm, that might be a little awkward. <laughs> uh, according to him, we're never going to break up. Okay, well, then there we go. There we go. <laughs> Well, you obviously have a lot of experience, and that's one of the reasons I wanted to ask you to come on the show. Some of my listeners might have sandwich generation issue problems. You know, they're caring for their spouse at the same time that they're caring for their children. Mm -hmm. Did that ever happen to you, or your children were up and gone by the time you retired, and they didn't have grandchildren yet, and so... There was no sandwich generation issues. My theory is never follow your children. If your children want to be with you, they will come to you. So when we moved to Oregon, everybody said, you're moving so far away. We said, no, we're not. And sure enough, they came. And they came to visit. <laughs> they came. Oh, yes. They loved the farm. As a matter of fact, they were sorry that we sold it. Aww. You know. Because they loved it just as much as we did. It's hard to work a farm if you have back problems. Right. It was it was getting just a little too much for him, you know. And uh, it was his decision that we, we finally sell it. So, But after 20 years, it was enough. It was time. We were ready for new adventures. Absolutely. And it sounds like you had some. We did. So care to share any of the adventures? The adventures you- we had? Well, we went on a couple of trips together, you know, and uh, our our kids said... But not to Paris or <laughs> any of the places where your son was. <laughs> there, there aren't really very many adventures that are, are that worthy of talking about. Just little things that we did, you know. Uh, my husband became very much involved in building model airplanes. And for him, this was a marvelous hobby. And, of course, as soon as he got involved in a hobby, I became more involved in theater, which is what I did. So moving from one place to another, I I started several theaters. I became involved in theater. And uh, this happened all the way from Oregon. We moved from Grants Pass to Eugene. I started a theater there. Then we moved on up to British Columbia. I started and got involved with the theater there and did the best show I have ever done. It was the scariest. What was it? It was written by Ira Levin, and it was performed in New York only briefly because people were so terrified of it. It was called Veronica's Room. And what was it about? Well, let's put it this way. It had a little kidnapping and a little necrophilia and a little incest and a little murder. And altogether, it was the most horrifying play I've ever done. (laughs) Okay. But it was wonderful. At the end of the first act, you could not have heard a pin drop in that audience. It was so tense. 
Wow. It was great. I loved it. I haven't been able to do it since. Sounds like a hard play to do, so. It, um, it, It wasn't that hard, but you had to have the right actors for it. Absolutely. That was the that was the part. And the right audience. The ra- oh yeah, this audience <laughs> loved it. They loved it. Um, definitely the right audience. Sounds to me that you've had a wonderful retirement. I have. So, if you had to give a piece of advice to somebody and they were about to retire, what's the one piece of advice that you would give to that person about to retire? Lots of laughter. Lots of laughter. You can't take anything that isn't really truly serious too seriously. People tell me they wake up and they have pain in the morning. But, you know, you do a few exercises in bed. You get up, you make your coffee. You greet each new day as something exciting. Something's going to happen. Regardless of whether it's raining or whether the sun is shining, you have to look at each new day as something exciting for you. That sounds like great advice. Second question that I like to ask, let's say you're sitting across the table with someone who isn't taking that advice. They're not greeting each new day with excitement. They feel stuck in their retirement. What's the one piece of advice that you would give to that retiree? Oh, that's very hard for me because I can't, I can put myself into their shoes only briefly. I don't know what kind of life they've lived. I lived a very, very happy life. I had a wonderful husband, wonderful kids. Unless I know them intimately, I can't give somebody advice on how to live their lives. Pretend like you're in a play and you are a person who's not living a good life. You're stuck, you're depressed. How would your character get yourself unstuck? How would my character get myself out of this? Out of the funk. Out of this funk. (laughs) Uh, Well, I'd have to find people who are younger and who have greater outlooks on life than I would have and who would help me get out of the, the funk, get me busy doing things. So find people who are living the kind of life that you want to live or doing things that you want to do and make friends with them. I'm going to tell you something. I don't know whether you'll keep this in or not, but there are some gentlemen over at Woodland Village. Every morning when I come down, they're sitting there. Now, I know these gentlemen are not really very active. I know a couple of them have have uh, physical problems. But I come down and I give each of these gentlemen a big hug and a kiss. That's nice. And I'm sure that the ladies think that I am um, wanton. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, I give these gentlemen a kiss, and they look forward to it, and they smile. And when they see me, they wave and say, hi, Bobby. And I know they're glad that I come down. And I know I've made a little happiness in their lives. So maybe to get out of a funk, make somebody else happy. Exactly. Exactly. So the key to happiness is to not worry so much about yourself and to help other people become happy. Get away from the me, me, me and look for somebody, you, you, you. (laughs) Sounds like you've done that your whole life. I think so. I think so. 
Bobby, thank you so much for coming on the show, especially since the fact that you don't have a computer and it'll be a little bit different for you to try to listen to it yourself. You've been a fabulous guest. Thank you, Kathy. And for my listeners, remember that on Mondays, we like to interview retirees. And on Thursdays, we interview people who can help when your parents or spouse or somebody needs a little help. We call that sandwich generation issues. And we'll see you next time on Rock Your Retirement. Thanks for listening to the Rock Your Retirement show. If you are rocking your retirement or know someone who would make a great guest on our show, please send us an email at podcast at rockyourretirement.com. My name is Barbara Lippert, and I'm here to help make your retirement more enjoyable. After using our bonds, pure, safe, and beneficial products with awesome results, I became a consultant. My goal is to help others have a healthy retirement. Check out my website, barbaralippert.arbon.com. Then email me at babsbiz at sbcglobal.net or call me at 858 775 7765. Use the word healthy to get 20 to 40% off. If you can't afford prevention, you'll never afford disease.